This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. As the playoffs begin, we look into one of the most recent threats to the sport of football. There's only so many attachment points to the head that people would allow you to do where you're going to get reliable data. And the key to reliable data is basically you got to have something that, that moves with the skull. So that really restricts you to uh, putting something on the team. That's Adam Barch, Chief Science Officer at Prevent Biometrics, where studying head impact and injury, it's had some unforeseen conclusions. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Before you hear the interview from Adam Barch, here's my disclaimer. I want to be very clear that this episode is in no way attempting to minimize head injury, accumulation of concussions, or any of the health issues that have been debated in recent years in and around contact sports. But Adam Barch and his group at Prevent Biometrics are studying the data, and what you'll find that he has to say is interesting and surprising. Our guest this week is Adam Barch, who is the Chief Science Officer of Prevent Biometrics. And for years, they have been studying the accumulation of data in terms of head injuries. And their goal is to take accurate head impact monitoring from their labs to the playing field. Hey, Adam, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, Bram. How are you doing? All right, that's that's a little bit of word soup, obviously. Why don't you kind of dumb it down for us? What have you guys been doing and, and what are you doing? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm an engineer. Um, who for the last, I don't know, 12 years of my life, my sole mission has been uh, measuring head impact on a living person with accuracy and precision. And basically that's a long-winded way of saying it's really hard to measure a head impact on somebody who's living. Uh, certainly in my past as an automotive safety engineer, you know, research assistant in laboratories, you do these things on crash test dummies. You also do them on cadavers. Um, but, you know, the living laboratory uh, has its own set of challenges. But today, here we are with Prevent Biometrics, um, really on the cusp of, of some amazing things uh, with some key partners of ours uh, who are really leading the way in head impact safety worldwide, including uh, World Rugby and the U.S. Department of Defense. Why is it hard to find data on a living human being as opposed to a dead one? Yeah, well, the, you know, the advantage of a crash dummy or in a, in a cadaver when you do these tests in the laboratory, you know, it's a highly controlled situation. And of course, you don't just do these tests just to do them, right? People are, have been seeking ways to design better uh, helmets and headgear and understand human tolerance to car crashes, you know, very important things. Um, but the reason it's challenging in the, in the living human being is that, you know, it, it, there's only so many attachment points to the head 
that people would allow you to do where you're going to get reliable data. And the key to reliable data is basically you got to have something that, that moves with the skull. So that really restricts you to uh, putting something on the teeth. I mean, that's the be all end all at this point. Um, so certainly folks, you know, that listen uh, to your podcast or, or even yourself, Ram, you know, they might've been tracking, you know, last 15 or 20 years, been a number of attempts to try to, you know, aggregate data from uh, helmet or headband or skin patch sensors. Um, those attempts, uh, while certainly novel at the time, have generally all fallen in the category of of uh, semi or total uh, random data being generated because simply mm. the devices move differently than your skull does. So, all right. So, why do you why do you think that is? As everyone's tried to figure out a better way, obviously we these can't be, especially in sports, they can't be prevented. Prevented, not with the collisions that are going to occur. But why do you think that is that you're having a hard time? finding a way to collect the right data on this? Well, I mean, in my end, I'm not. Um, uh, you know, certainly it's taken a little bit of development time back, you know, 10, 12 years ago at the Cleveland Clinic where I started this with a team of neurosurgeons and, you know, NASA-trained mathematicians. Um, so on my end, it's been pretty straightforward. It's just been for a lack of funding historically. You know, we started with nothing around 2008, you know, filed some provisional patents and, you know, slowly but surely, we, we advanced orders of magnitude of knowledge and funding. And here we are, you know, Minneapolis having, you know, spent somewhere in the range of 25 to $30 million to get to the point where we can just put something in a box, ship it to New Zealand, they pull it out, put it in the boiling water, and they go. Um, now, other folks that have attempted to, to measure head impact, I mean, certainly there's, there's 100 peer-reviewed papers, give or take, in the literature that you could just Google that talk about helmet sensor data. Um, and one of the, the keys there, what we know now is if you just do the simple one, forget what the data says, just have, you know, pay a high school kid, you know, 12 bucks an hour to watch a football game and just have them, you know, write down with a pencil and paper, how many times somebody they think had a head impact. What you'll find is, you know, those helmet sensor, uh, data sets will spit out, you know, something like 30, 50 head impacts per game per player. And this is really at all levels. This is, you know from youth to high school to college, even to the NFL, um, the system will say 30 to 50 or 70 or 80. Uh, that person you're paying 12 bucks a night in the case of Santa, um, they'll tell you it's six. And so we've actually, you know, in many ways been misled um, by data that has not been accurate in the real world. Now, certainly some of that data, um, you're tracking as well as I am, you know, ideas about cumulative sub-concussive head impacts being dangerous long term. Well, the headline is much more interesting if you could point to a data set that says kids are taking a thousand head impacts a year mm. and you connect the dots to, you know, recent scenarios of folks who commit suicide or have these deviant behaviors who possibly played in the NFL versus the true story, which is people don't get hit that hard or that often in American football or really any other sport that we've looked at. Wow. Um, so do you have guidance that you talk about now knowing what you know about all of this, or do you try to stay out of all of that? Well, certainly we, <laughs> we, we've done a little bit of both. I mean, if, if you go back, I don't know, five years when I moved my family out here in Minneapolis, you know, prevent biometrics acquired intellectual property from Cleveland clinic, uh, brought me out here. We you know, decided to give it a shot. We always sort of thought, you know, me as a, let's say recovering researcher and scientist, um, that I wouldn't have to do that anymore. 
that actually the folks out there in the world of research and science would take this, yes, with caveats, with the need to, you know, trust, um, yet verify uh, the tech and the data, and, but move pretty quickly once they realized what was, what was really going on. And in fact, there's been very few people that have been able to do that, which is why in particular I, I brought up, you know, World Rugby and the U.S. Department of Defense you know, they have a real and unmet need to document how hard and how often folks get hit in the head. So they can either make rule changes, you know, uh, modify training missions, help make a new parachute. Um, these are people who get that they have potential risks and they want to try to mitigate them or in rugby's case, make the game as safe as it could be. So they're taking a very proactive approach. And for them, it's, it's straightforward. I'm not sure why that's not as simple for everybody else. Yeah. Um, I, I think part of it is there's some institutional inertia, specifically in North America, specifically in the United States, um, where people have a hard time uh, even understanding what it is that we do and why it's useful. Um, because there's been a lot of sort of, there's been a, trust me, there's been a lot of false starts by a lot of companies trying to measure head impact and tell people how, how useful the data will be. And there's a lot of data out there that simply is random. So people, they, you need somebody like me uh, to help distill through it. And there's only a couple of people like me around, whereas, you know, there's there's thousands and thousands and thousands of, you know, moms and dads out there just trying to do their best and, you know, keep their kids safe. Well, I think, the, and the fear too is, is that the bottom line is you're going, if you are to give guidance, is you're going to say, don't participate in contact sports. And obviously that's not an answer anyone can have, but. I don't think you would go there, right? I mean, what's the data telling you about participating in contact sports? Yeah, that, and that's, that's such the perfect question, Bram, because um, I'll just tell you sort of the quick little story of my wife and I. So uh, three years ago, you know, we got four kids and, you know, I'm in the field. I, I go to them. By the way, my wife has front row seats to the Cleveland Browns. You know, I've gone to a lot of American football games, seeing it close up. Um, as, you know, my, my oldest son, firstborn, um, three years ago, if you would have asked me, I would probably have said, you know what, I'm really hesitant about letting him play tackle football. Um, at that time, I didn't have uh, enough data to give me sort of enough. I mean, I, I'm a scientist still. I need more data than most people. But to give me over that hump, I still wasn't quite there. Um, three years later, he played tackle football for the first time this fall. Um, he didn't have a single head impact bigger than a pillow fight. And that was the case for almost his entire team. Of course, there was literally one impact for the entire year where a kid got unlucky, tripped and fell, hit the back of the head. The coach saw it. We looked at the data together. I said, yeah, that's a, that's a sledgehammer hit. Call the parent immediately. And then from there, it's on the parents. Like, well, the advice is you should call the pediatrician. Now, it's so early days in this that if he called the pediatrician and said, you know, Dr. Barsh told me this was a sledgehammer hit, you know, maybe the pediatrician can use it. If he said this was 82 G's with a workload of 79 joules, nobody has any idea what that means. But I bet you, Bram, in about five years, people like you will, just like you understand huh. heart rate and step counts. It, 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 it's simple enough, assuming the tech works and gives you the data in a meaningful time span, either real time or same day or the next morning, um, that this is not brain science. I say that tongue in cheek. But it really isn't. You get hit really freaking hard. You want to get checked out. But that doesn't happen very often. Most of these things that are happening, especially in youth, 
they are smaller and there's fewer of them than we've all been taught uh, occur. And by the way, if you ask a, a coach or a player, um, they will tell you what I just said, which is way different than what's in the pub- most of the published literature. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That is counter to the narrative right now. I think you know that. Um, I mean, there is has the narrative been wrong? Or have preventative measures come in that have helped mitigate, I guess, for lack of a better word, at least perceptually, a crisis in sports? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think there's a number of factors at play. I mean, look, I don't, I don't have all the answers and I don't, I, I, I wasn't in all those rooms with all the decisions being made about, you know, the worthiness of data, publication of papers, uh, rule changes based on data put in papers and committees and all those things. But one thing I can say is, I mean, certainly we know um, that that definitely sports are played in a different and safer way today than when we were younger. And, and better still, you know, for my father, who's in his 70s, I mean, American football practice for him in high school certainly was a way different thing than it is today, yeah. even including, you know, shit like they wouldn't, um, oh, excuse me, uh, like they wouldn't uh, uh, allow people to take water breaks on a hot day, you know, just so all those things. Definitely I can tell you happen. professional football practice now is a highly different experience than it was when I was covering the Washington football team 20 years ago to doing it now. It's a highly, highly different experience now. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. So, so certainly um, it has to be safer, even if we don't have the data that documents how hard and how often, you know, 40 years ago versus 20 years ago versus today. Um, even if we don't exactly have that, we know just intuitively people are people are trying to do the right thing in general to make it safer. Now, what I will say is that I, I don't have an explanation. I, it's not just rule changes where. Um, if we have a guy wearing a good fitting mouth guard that's tracking his head impacts with these sort of loose fitting uh, devices, you know, on the head, there really isn't an explanation for why those loose fitting devices, uh, you know, measure six times for every time there is one head impact. I mean, that's not that's not a rule change thing. That that is a, a physics thing. And I think one of the reasons why the narrative is, I mean, I, look, I see the media. I've seen this week and the keys all over the place talking about CTE, which I don't know anything about CTE. I'm not a clinician. I leave that to them to discuss and debate. But the one thing that's still perplexing to me is that we have data that many folks will point to and many reporters will point to 
where we know the engineers that collected that data, they know it's not correct. But really what they've done is they say they throw their hands up and go, look, either I, I would have done nothing or I did this thing. So either I would have not been able to even attempt to report how many head impacts happen in a year in a season of, you know, 12-year-old football, or I took a device. Yeah, maybe I didn't video verify anything, but I just grabbed the data they told me because I trusted the device was telling me something truthful. And, and so here we are now. It's a confusing thing for me to say, yeah, you thought it was, you know, 50 head impacts a game, but actually we've done enough of this where we know it's like six. And we also know the big one, that's one in a thousand. Yeah. So those big sledgehammer impacts, that is not every person, uh, every play, every day. That's like maybe it's one a game, maybe it's one a week. And then the final thing, Graham, all the way back to the worry about some guy like me comes along uh, talking about it's so dangerous, uh, the data says it's so dangerous, maybe you, you shouldn't play. It, it is so far the opposite, even to the point of the faster you could find somebody who took a concussive impact, like that New York Giants quarterback. I mean, I'm a recovering Giants fan. Um, he, he got, they said, we have no idea uh, the impact that happened. My sixth grader pulled out his iPhone and showed me the impact as soon as he read that headline on ESPN. He goes, Dad, it's in the middle of the third quarter. Look right there. He hit the back of his head. And then look on the next play. He wasn't quite sure what he's doing. He took a sack that sort of ruined their chances to win the game. Mm-hmm. Well, that guy, if he's injured by playing more, he can't get uninjured. But if you got him out faster, you actually recover faster. And by the way, in all likelihood, a, a healthy backup quarterback wouldn't have taken that crippling sack either. So there's so many things that's just such common sense. And that's why, again, like the World Rugby folks and the Defense Department folks, usually the way this works, like I talked to you for, I don't know, it's uh, 15 minutes now. I get about 60 seconds in and they kind of just tell me, shut up. I get it. Let's go. <laughs> Are you telling me to shut up? I get it. Let's go. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you the commanding general 82nd Airborne. They, they yeah, put well. 20 in the deck and I got seven <laughs> seconds in. He says, I get it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be promoted to General Bram Weinstein anytime soon. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, you mentioned the mouth guard, which is is one of the devices that you all have worked on specifically. Can you can you just kind of take us through what it is and and how you came to like this was what you thought would help you find the data that you needed? Yeah, absolutely. So so at the high level, because I'm guessing most folks that that listen to your podcast are not you know sort of a postdoc level of physicists, but it's it's an athletic mouth guard. Like, if you've ever been to the dentist and had a custom mouth guard made, if you have a night guard that you use for, for grinding your tattoo, if you've ever gone to the, the, the sporting goods store and bought one for 2 to $20, boiled it in water for 30 seconds, put it on your teeth, that's the delivery vehicle. It is a mouth guard, also called a mouthpiece. In Europe, they call these things gum shields. Okay? However, inside of it, you almost can't even tell. If, like, we make these clear so people can actually see the circuit. But if it's not clear, you almost wouldn't know it's there. Um, there's a, an electronic circuit inside that I think about it almost like a, like a Fitbit uh, for your brain. So it has uh, sensors that can measure how your head moves, basically the acceleration, the velocity, the, the linear motion, the rotational motion. And also there's some math embedded in there that allows us to calculate uh, at what's called the center of gravity of the head. Because... No scientist really cares 
about your tooth acceleration or your tooth impact force. All everything is related back to a common reference point, which is the center of your head. Okay, so there's some mathematical gymnastics to go through to take data at one point, move it to a different point, and then spit it out in real time for what the the impact uh, forces and accelerations and and rotations are, and we stick the arrow, you know, pointing to where you got hit on the head and in what direction. Now, behind that, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. I mean, like things like we're sampling data at 3,200 times per second. Um, we also have data in the output that if you were one of the 10 people on the planet who run brain simulations of injury, this data is being used to drive uh, knowledge about what is actually happening to the brain tissue. Basically, the skull is shaking. So we provide the data for how the skull is shaking, and those smart people go figure out, okay, where are the hot spots inside the brain? Um, so in the end, it's a fit fit for your brain, but there's so much more information that comes out of it uh, that the normal person probably doesn't really care about, but is useful to super nerds like myself. This is really interesting, really enlightening as well. Adam Barch is the Chief Science Officer of Prevent Biometrics. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On the next Future Sport Podcast, social media and betting are an ecosystem the folks at Chalkboard are trying to build. Yeah, what we're trying to prove to the operators is Hey, your players are socializing around the best that they're placing on your platform, but they're probably playing on a handful of, of apps, right? They're probably on FanDuel, they're probably on DraftKings, they're probably on that MGM. Chalkboard presents, you know, centralized place to have all of that data. That's Ted Mose, CEO and co-founder of Chalkboard, a social sports betting app. They have plans to show that engagement, betting, and interacting can be married. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.